said we were recording some banter or whatever. Yes, we are. But first, we have the intro. Oh. Oh. Are right. we introing first? Yeah, you're right. Okay, fine. Then we'll start. We'll start again. All right, and welcome back to a new special edition episode of the Statcast with me, Sam Greenman, and Daniel Moltz is going to be coming on to talk baseball free agency before Sam and I switch to NBA talk before we end our podcast for the season. We'll be back in January, don't worry. All right, and well, in big news, I want to be Scott Boris when I grow up. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. The, the amount of money that 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 man is going to make when everything is said and done it, it blows my mind he what he's already made is just mind-boggling so i uh, he he's his big 3 clients Steven Strasburg, Garrett Cole, and Anthony Rendon all signed. Just happened to be all the biggest three free agents on the market. Without a doubt. And they all signed contracts over the weekend. And I believe the number comes out to, we'll see, Rendon and Strasburg each got they 245. Each two, seven years, 245. And, and then Cole so got 324. So that's 800. Okay. So Scott Boris's three big clients signed deals worth $814 million. Combined. Now, combined. And that's three players. And he makes 4% of that. Yeah. So Boris takes gets 4%, a 4% cut of the contract. So from three players, not to mention the half dozen more high-profile players that he has on the market. Because he's got Boris and he's got everybody. Keiko's a Boris He's got guy, Dallas Keiko, Madison Bumgarner, Hyunjin Ryu, Nicholas Castellanos, and I know there's more, but he's at least got those four. He's already made $32,560,000. Scott Boris. In a is, week. Yeah, Scott Boris is just, I don't know, the best agent that baseball has ever seen and kind of the best thing that the sport has ever had. I am team Scott Boris is great for the sport of baseball. So here's, here's, another, me. here's another guy that I would want to be. Dr. James Andrews. Oh yeah, that guy should be. In, that guy should be in the Hall of he Fame. He should be in the Hall of Fame. But imagine the Him, money. Scott and Scott Boris should be in the Hall of imagine Fame. Imagine the money he gets. It's like uh, I need a second opinion. There's only w- one guy to go to to get my elbow or shoulder checked out, and it's Dr. James Andrews. But he's also the ACL guy, so he's got yeah. NFL players and NBA players also coming to him. I am absolutely. I have to look. Up. Mm. He's just like I want. I really want to look up his net worth. It's got to be the most insane sports. Who, doc, doctor, Doctor James Andrews. Yeah. yeah. Let me see if I can find this while we're. While we're chatting here, I love these like peripheral guys of the sport who never have actually played the game. Actually, Boris, I think, was in the minor leagues. Yeah, I bet you didn't know that. <laughs> Listen, I've I've done some research into like details of Scott Boris's career because Scott Boris is one of my idols. But his net worth is thirty million dollars, by the way. Yeah, and Scott yeah. Boris just made more than that. But well, yeah, let's but not even talk yeah. about that. <laughs> no, but he's <laughs> a- according. I mean, just. Yes, he's he's, a he's he's one of the ten wealthiest physicians in the world. Probably ever. No, he's not not ever. Not ever. No. Well, whatever. Never. Whatever. It doesn't matter. In he's... the Google searches, I've he, there's from different years. In 2016, he was ranked at number five. In 2018, he was ranked at number seven. So let's just say, for simplicity's sake, that he's one of the ten richest doctors in the world. Yeah. yeah. So good for him. Yeah, That's these, what you get for doing all these surgeries, I These guess. peripheral guys are phenomenal. I love that I can just mention some a random person's name, a lawyer or a doctor, and suddenly every baseball fan, from me to the smallest Rockies fan in Denver, Colorado, is going to know exactly who I'm talking about. Isn't that great? Yeah. That sport's I mean, fun. I don't know if it's great, because that means that that just tells you how busy he's been in the last... 20, 30 years, but... Yeah. They seem to do everything, those two. Like, you got, like, your Casey Close, but Casey Close had the whole Brady Aiken fiasco. So, I think Scott Boris is the real number one. Maybe Jay-Z. I don't know. 
Jay Z's doing okay for himself. He, about Rich Paul. Cano. About Rich Paul, he's doing okay for himself. Well, Jay Z is actually Robinson Cano's agent. Yeah, that's true. So I for think now. No, no, no. He signed like specifically with him. No, I know. I as if it, yeah. Jay, as if Jay Z needs the money. His net worth is over eight hundred million dollars. He doesn't need any help. Yeah. I think he, I don't know if he's a billionaire still, but he was a billionaire at one point. Anyway. He's get he's getting there. Yeah. So I wonder what Scott, Scott Boris is, has got to be over a hundred million dollars. Scott Boris, he was A Rod's free agent both times, right? A Rod's. Uh, yes, low, I think agent. so. Yes. So also just to add on to this, so as I said, he also does represent Dallas Keuchel, Hyunjin Ryu. I'm pretty sure he represents Madison Bumgarner. He definitely represents Nicholas Castellanos, and he's Mike Moustakas' agent. So yeah. he's actually he finally made Moose some money this year. He's actually so he's actually gotten 878 million dollars in contracts signed, which means he's actually earned 35 million 120 thousand dollars in the last two weeks. I wonder if he makes that all at once, or just like every time there's a game check, there's like a little, there's not a little, a big deposit in Scott Boris's bank account. I imagine, yeah, it probably works the same as players. You get a game check. Yeah. Scott Boris gets a game check. Except Does he like, get a game check for the winter from, meetings? He probably gets a game check from like 70 or 80 different players every day. Does he get signing bonuses? <laughs> that's what, I mean, I assume that that's, that's what his... That's a great question. I assume that that's his 4%, his 4% is essentially his self-imposed bonus for you getting this contract. Yeah. In a matter of speaking, it is a signing bonus. Like he says to Garrett Cole... I just got you signed for three hundred twenty-four million dollars. Garrett Cole also got Garrett Cole to end with I know, but here's my. But I'm giving. But, but yeah. my signing bonus is four percent of your money. Yeah, but only eleven million. Only eleven million. Yeah, yeah, but Garrett Cole doesn't need to worry. I mean, yeah, Gar- of course. Listen, I I gotta tell you that I was waiting the entire length of the winter meetings. All the people were talking about was that, you know, the Yankees needed to make a splash. The Yankees had to do something. And they did. Let's start the pod. But first, Milo Hamilton. Swinging, lining it to left. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Chris Park. Holy Toledo. What a way to finish. So yeah, let's talk about these winter meetings, the best winter meetings we've seen in a long, long time. So Certainly, considering how scarring the last two baseball off-seasons have been, I can't even really recall the previous ones, but I'm just happy that this one went down the way it did. Yeah. I mean, not not only did we have the three high-profile free agents sign, you know, Garrett Cole, Strasburg, and Rendon, but a lot of other guys, too, signed decently-sized contracts. You know, yeah. It, w- it wasn't just it like it wasn't a bad one like we had last year, or the last couple of years. Sam and I were complaining, I think, earlier that on that oh. baseball wasn't like I don't know the NBA free agency signing. We have a bunch of guys signing back to back to back all on the first night, and then everything is just kind of insane. And this it did it like it took a little while to develop, but then oh, it's been like a month and a half since the World Series. I think about a month after everything really ramped up, and we saw some insane signings. Let's break them down. Let's start with Garrett Cole to the Yankees. So Garrett Cole came. Uh, so I was, I was up that night because I I told like my website like I will stay up this tonight until Garrett Cole signs because it seems like he is signing today. 
yeah. or tonight, and I would literally never forgive myself if I if the, if a Kawhi Leonard Paul George situation came up again, where he signs at two thirty five, and I'm not the first person to know about it. Ooh, I was not. I woke up to see that. Oh, I was I was up as well. I was just chilling out in my room. And oh, then... Garrett Cole, I was up for. Yeah. So and yeah, not Kawhi Leonard. Oh, Kawhi, no, I. Yeah, I don't even. When did he sign over? The, I, it was it's a Friday the, night. It was over the summer, I assume. Yes, right? yeah. it was over the summer. It was yeah, no. If it was a Friday, four a.m. If it was a Friday night, then I was definitely not awake for it. Yeah. So yeah, and then I was in bed just like w- w- awaiting this news, and then John Heyman broke nine years, three hundred and twenty-four million. Uh, opt out after four years, no trade clause, or opt out after five, five years. years, no trade clause. And then I was like, well, time to write an article. So I wrote an article, went to sleep. And then, yeah. But, yeah, Yankees got the big fish. And you know what? I Everybody's going to be looking at this deal with a huge grain of salt because Garrett Cole is a pitcher. He's a pitcher who throws very, very hard. He's not super young. He is 29, and he was just signed to a nine-year contract. This is the first time... He's going to be a Yankee for the rest of his life. He's going to be the Yankee for the rest of his life. This is eerily similar to CC Sabathia's situation. CC got nine years and I think $181 million from the Yankees. CC was even younger than Garrett Cole, and he had performed even better than Garrett Cole had the previous season. That's right. He had the 2008 where he led both the American League and the National League in shutouts, even though he only played a half season. And he... 538 did um, a study on who the best free agent pitchers were. The best ever was Greg Maddox when he was 26 years old, which is insane to think about. But Garrett Cole was number four, and CeCe Sabathia was number two on that list. Who was three? I forget. Was it Max Scherzer? Yeah, that that, that would make sense. That sounds about right. Yeah. But, I mean... The Yankees are, they have clearly reverted back to the mindset that they want to win now. This, they, they, once Steven Strasburg signed the 207 years, 245, that was originally what everybody was thinking Garrett Cole was going to get. That's and, what I said Strasburg was going to get that much. That was on the pod last week. You so guys shot I, me so down a little I bit. I texted my friend and said, I for Cole, I would assume either 8 for 300 or 10 for 350. And, yeah. so, and it was literally right in between. It was 9, 324. And I'm like, I mean, it ain't easy being this good. Well, exactly, but when when Strasburg signed that contract, at that point, Garrett Cole's market shot up even higher. Yeah. Because Boris every, is good at his job. He, I listen. The man got his players paid big time. There's no doubt Man's about that. Way. There's there's no doubt about that. And both the national, both the Nationals and the Yankees are going to be get, are going to get bit in the butt in the late 2020s with the ends of these contracts. I would be shocked if Steven Strasburg and Garrett Cole were still incredibly productive pitchers when they're 37, 38 years old. You're but probably right. They're making, But they're both but. making that sacrifice to win now while these guys are still good. And Garrett Cole has, hasn't has had the injury bug over the course of his career. He's never had a major arm injury in no. his entire career. He's he's very never much... Never had Tommy Johns. He's very much similar to Justin Verlander. He yeah. managed to make it through all of his 20s, throwing as hard as he does with his great stuff and not getting injured. And the Yankees are probably hoping that as he transitions into his early 30s that he's also like Verlander in that he's still unhittable. Yeah. The Yankees can probably bank on three to five good to great years from Garrett Cole. And he might get 25 war. In those, in the next, uh, in the seasons before his opt out, 
I would love I would love for that to happen. Yeah, he's got an opt out after the fifth year in 2024. He and Degrom are going to be competing for the best pitcher in baseball title at least until the opt out because he and uh, Degrom are both under contract I think for the next five years before, um, before they call up. Yeah. Or is Degrom only four years? I now? think Degrom is four years because he idiotically signed his five-year extension yeah. last year. Yeah, for five years, one hundred thirty-seven million. Jacob Degrom has got is be... an underpay. Jacob to De... an insane degree. Exactly. I was about to say Jacob Degrom has got to be kicking himself for signing that contract when he did because what it was like five years, one hundred thirty-seven million dollars. Yeah, it was. If you if he had signed if he had waited until this offseason to sign that would deal he when he became agent? a free yeah, yeah he would have been a free agent now yeah he would have been thirty one but think about so this he would have been coming Strasburg. out exactly back to back Cy Youngs he would have the Mets would have probably I'm not even gonna lie because yes they're the same age but because you can argue that in the last two years Jacob Degrom has been the best pitcher in baseball Strasburg's been very good but not at that level Jacob Degrom might have gotten paid. Garrett Cole kind of yeah. money here's if some, he was a free but, agent. But here's the thing. He had the narrative behind him of, oh, man, 10 and 8, you know, 8 and 9, you know, with a 1-9 ERA with a 2-4 ERA. 1-6-9 ERA. With, with, with a nice 1-6-9 ERA. And very then nice. Yeah, like, nice. But he's very much like, oh, imagine if he had, were on a good team and, you know, his teams would actually win his starts. Yeah, that well, would be the narrative. So, like, all the good teams would be throwing money at him. Yeah, I feel like he, here's what I want to talk about, because we talked, we mentioned a little earlier that this off season is very different than the previous two off seasons, and I think, I think the most likely this isn't what I want to talk about. I think the most likely thing that happened is that MLB probably like sent a memo to teams that's like, hey, could we actually try to you know have people assigned early this off season? But anyway, last off season, instead of seeing a lot of free agent signings, what we saw was a lot were a lot of uh, low but no low budget contract extensions. Alex Bregman, five years, hundred million. Ronald Acuna Jr., nine years, thirty million. Jacob Degrom, five years, one hundred thirty-seven million, and a Wait lot a of minute. other ones. Wasn't Acuna's eight years, hundred million dollars? No, it was nine years, thirty million, or something like. No, that. No, that was Ozzy Albies. That was Ozzy Albies. Yeah, Acuna's no, but Acuna's was actually really low. Look that up. No, it, no, was, it, was, it was low. It was low AAV, but it was for it was it was eight years. or it was eight years, a hundred million dollars. Yeah, I don't think it was a hundred million. Can you check that? Look that up. It was somewhere. It was. I know it was an. It was a nine figure. It was. It a might nine have been only con. forty or fifty though. No. No. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. got close. To, yeah, eight years, a hundred million dollars. Oh, okay. 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 Al- Albies was. Eloy, Albies, Eloy Jimenez got fifty million dollars, and that was before he even made his major yeah. league debut. But the, yeah, that's sort of. That's sort of been my issue with the stuff that happened the last offseason, because that stuff isn't going away. Because now you have a bunch of people who were, for good reasons, very worried that when they eventually made it to the free agent market, they weren't going to be paid their market value. And now someone like Alex Bregman, who just finished second MVP voting in his career season, and someone like Jacob deGrom, who just won a second Cy Young in a row, each of them probably thought that their career gears might have been the previous year, and they might not have been able to get back to those heights. And now, and now those two guys are sort of tied up without the ability to go for that huge contract, which they otherwise would have been eligible had they waited until free agency. Yes, but you can't really... Uh, those two players, you can't compare them. The, market, the way that the baseball market nowadays treats hitters and pitchers is starkly different. I disagree. They are, no, they're La- this well, up- no, they're way more inclined to give hitters more years. But even this Bryce year, Harper got 13 years when he became a free agent. And Bryce Harper had a low, has a lower AAV than Garrett Cole. I'm not sure. I, I'm, I, what I, I'm trying to say is that Bryce Harper got 13 years on the market. I will, I will never watch a baseball game again. I will never follow this sport again the minute a pitcher 
get to even if he, even deal. even if you're a free you're, agent pitcher who's twenty, even if he's twenty six. What if he's twenty two? That can't when happen. Is that, that can't happen. He would have to be sixteen when he debuts. Or he's or he debuts. Oh, in, as a free agent. Or he debuts at twenty and gets non tendered by his team for whatever reason. No, I mean like a, like a pre arb deal. But I know Nobody's I know what you mean. That I but, but, but also like with I Alex, I understand with Alex Bregman. You know, I I don't think it's the end of the world because Bregman instead of you know going to arbitration and potentially having to fight with his or, with his organization year in and year out for a paycheck. He decided to take the five years and a hundred million dollars, and in twenty twenty, and buy out his first two free agent years, and fight trash that's, cans. Instead. That's true, but <laughs> he will be a free agent again when he's thirty years old or thirty one years old, as opposed to being twenty eight or twenty nine years old. And we saw how good being a free agent in your upper ish twenties was for Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. It's this all- makes it more likely that Alex Bregman gets an Anthony Rendon style deal, which, to be fair, was pretty big. Then a Manny Machado or but, Bryce Harper. But when you add on the hundred million dollars that he's getting right now, at the end of the day, it's six and one half a dozen of the other. And either way, he is still going to get rich when he I becomes know. a free it's, agent. It's, it's all about trying to make it so that your two free agent deals are like worth the most, like maximize, maximize, the yeah, maximize the value. That's, I mean, my argument isn't really like. I don't know. I think Alex Bregman could have made more had he waited. I think DeGrom could have made more as he wa- had he waited. We both think these. But, and the issue was, because of the stuff that happened in baseball with, I'm not going to call it collusion because I don't think it was. I just think it was teams deciding that, oh, older players aren't really, aren't really that valuable. It was teams being smart. You can't fault them It was teams being smart. And then this offseason... I don't know if you want to call teams less smart. Maybe teams are like, well, if nobody's spending, then I guess the teams that are spending are actually the smart teams because they're going to go for it when nobody else is. Well, I mean, listen, you look at the three. You look at the three if teams no, that if, signed that signed the three huge contracts from the winter meetings. The Yankees gave Garrett the Cole. Yankees, the Angels, and the Nationals. What do two of those? What do three of those teams? What do all three of those teams have in common? They all want. They're rich teams, and they they're all win rich the teams series. who really want to be in the playoffs next year, yeah. and who have the ability to get there. Now, the difference between the Nationals and Yankees versus the Angels is that the Nationals, the Nationals and Yankees, and Yankees have been there. Well, okay, there's that, but the Nationals and Yankees could stop down right now, and they would have World Series caliber teams. Before Angels, they signed the guy. No, 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 after. Okay. Even after. I honestly but think the, the Angels like were very much pressed into making this deal by Mike Trout. Because remember the quote he said, you know, I'm waiting by the phone, you know, waiting for a free yeah. agent to be signed. It reminds because the last time that happened, Mike Trout was 20 years old, and they brought in a 31-year-old jo- free agent Josh first Hamilton? baseman. Oh, oh, oh God. Oh. I was talking about Albert Pujols. Um, but they didn't I, sign Josh Albert Ham- Pujols to, for, because of Mike Trout. They signed Albert Pujols because he was the best baseball player in the 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, except that he was coming off his worst season of it. Injury. Injury season. Yeah. And really? He was hurt in 2000. Yeah, he broke his wrist. I mean, he played in the World Series and everything like that. Well, yeah, I mean, he carried the Cardinals yeah, the, in the World the pool, Series. The pool oh, I don't know if you could say that he he carried the Cardinals. David Freeze carried the Cardinals. No, in the World David Freeze. <laughs> David Freeze had the greatest two games. Yeah. And David Freeze had the biggest moment of that World Series. David Freeze also dropped a pop fly in Game Six. That was nobody talks about that. Nobody I love thinking about that. about that. It's it's what's my cards? I love right the I, lo- I yeah. love his quote. Like, I'm just glad I. I was able to do something after looking like an idiot on that pop-up. Yeah, I think Holiday also dropped a pop, uh, fly ball that game, too. Uh, it was a, th- I think you're thinking of the Dodgers game where he dropped the fly ball and it hit him right in the... Oh, yeah. Right in the... Right in the ba- face? In, no, in the bread basket. But, anyway, 
the the diff what the difference I was trying to say is that you know the Yankees and Nationals after their big signings they are World Series caliber they're, they're teams. They're almost guaranteed to win their divisions if everything goes right. If every yes, the LA Angels are far from there because Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, of yeah. Orange County of not LA. Yeah. yeah, they need to go back to being called the Anaheim Angels. I'm sorry, um, but they still have so much pitching help that needs to be brought in. I know that they've I, been I they've been connected. Like, they got Dylan Bundy. Yeah, whoop-de-doo. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, Bundy was a league average pitcher last year and was oh, finally... There was, no, the, there was nothing league average about the Baltimore Orioles pitching in 2019. Don't even try to convince no, me No, his that. ERA minus was around 100-ish. You mean ERA plus? ERA plus? Isn't no, it ERA it's, e, it's on... Uh, You're talking about park-adjusted ERA? On fan graphs, it's ERA minus. Yeah, on fan graphs. I, I like fan graphs. I don't like baseball reference. I like baseball reference because... I've, but I've, ne- I've never once heard that stat called ERA minus... Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Great. He he was. He had, it's, it's his like ERA a, plus was ninety nine last year. Yeah, great. Yikes. His, his career. No. His career ERA plus he's is ninety five. Exactly his career fielding independent pitching is four point seven five. He gives up a hit per. Runs. He gives up a hit per inning. Listen, he walks three batters missing, per nine he, innings. He gives up one point. He gives up almost two home runs a game. He is. I'm not, not defending Dylan Bundy, but he's I'm saying trash. What I'm saying is. That's the I'm kind sorry. of guy they need to fill out the back of the rotation with, but they still haven't what? found the they guys. They have five guys at the back of the rotation. Yeah, he is going to go. He's he's well on his way to going down as another f- fantastic draft bust. We already talked about this the, last week on the podcast. I, I know, but we didn't talk about Dylan Bundy as much. because We did talk yeah, about did. Dylan did Bundy. We? Yeah, we yeah. did. Oh, okay. Well, listen, now that he's been traded to the Angels, he already, now we have he already a, had been. Did we talk about that? Yeah, I don't, we did. I don't th- we talked what, about Danny Hudson, Dylan Bundy, that yeah. whole draft with Derek Holden. What a squad. Yeah. Two uh, great pitchers. Well, Danny Holson did. He made his debut last year, didn't he? Yeah, congrats. Nine, yeah. <laughs> eight, eight years after, eight years after he got drafted with and, a, and with Starling a different the team. Thing. Yeah. Oh with the God, same Bubba team. Starling. Would you? Yeah. He had he. Bubba Starling he and Danny Holson made their debuts last year. As insane things. as that is to think about. But anyway, anyway, let's go back to the free agent signings. What I want to ask you is, would you rather be the Nationals having signed Strasburg to a seven-year deal with two hundred forty-five million, or would you rather be the Yankees with Cole in nine years for three twenty-four? I'd unfortunately rather be the Yankees. I I I, I would case. have to make I your ha- case. I have to pick the Yankees as well. Make I know my opi- I know my opinion is a little bit biased because I am a Yankee fan, but no, I'm a Red Sox fan. Yeah, so Sam, I want to hear what you have to say about that. Because the their biggest need was pitching. Yeah, the Nationals were... starting pitching very specifically. Yes, and now oh yes, and, the Yankees don't need any after... bullpen help. Yeah, but now they're going after Josh Hader. That's not going to happen. I'm sorry. Yeah, they're going to ask for Torres. Hader is four years. He's under a really controllable deal. I think that he's he's the kind of guy who is untradeable just because of how valuable he is. Also, let's be honest. The Rays, actually, the Rays might be the only team that it would make sense for them to trade for Josh Hader. Them what are they the going to give up? They already traded Tommy Pham. The Rays have the yeah for that one, one of the top prospect. Th- the Rays have one of the top three free agents. Um, what do you call it? Prospects. Prospe- Wander uh, Franco for farms and baseball. That's true. Them but the, them and the Padres. Listen, we're not talking about Josh Hader trade right so now. So you're saying they're not slapdick? No, the Rays have really good prospects. Obviously, Wander Franco, but also they're incredibly deep. I know They've they also have so they also have, pitchers. They also have Brandon Lau, Nate Lowe, Brendan McKay, Brent Honeywell. I I know, but I'm telling you that I I I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees tried to make mm-hmm. this deal for this simple reason. I I don't think it's going to happen, but if they somehow manage to get him, Josh Hader would be the most fantastic opener in Major League Baseball history. But that's why the Rays would get him. 
That's why the Yankees did it too. The Yankees used because of their flurry of their slew of injuries, I should say. The Yankees had to use openers quite a bit too, and for the most part, probably eight or nine out of ten times that he did it, Chad Green was a good opener. But if the Yankees went out and got Josh Hader at whatever the cost would be, he's not going to close. He should Brent close. No, he's but he's ball, right? he should he put a roll this started the game off with a roll this chat. No, 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 no I'm saying games before. I mean. Yeah, yeah that, was, that went horribly. He no, got, it went fine. He just couldn't go very many innings. Yeah, that's why they that's, they that's why canned they, it. Yeah, because he's much more valuable as a reliever. But listen, the reason the Yankees would still close with Chapman as opposed to Hader is because one of them is getting paid seventeen, eighteen million dollars. The other is getting paid pocket change. You're gonna pay the guy who's getting paid to close to close Hader's, until he can't close. Hader's making decent arm money as a reliever. Good for him. It's I mean, impressive. he's not he's not gonna close, but he's also not getting traded. So yeah. I would f- let's forget about it. It's a nice thought. Yeah. It's a it, it's a pipe if dream. If the Brewers the Bru- want to compete, they need to keep Hader. That's, that, that's that's true. And as you said, they they would rightfully shoot very very high and ask for someone like Glaber Torres. And not only is Glaber Torres a very talented ball player, he's probably right now the last person the Yankees want to trade. Exactly. They but would unfortunately, f- he's the only guy besides Aaron Judge who is literally untradeable that might be worth it in a deal like that because you don't trade a Neither, guy like ni- for no, a no, 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 no. Neither of the Yankees' two best position players are worth 80 innings. Yeah. That's what you're... you're I agree. Se- you're selling... Now, Judge is a little bit different because he's 28 and he's had a little bit of an injury bug the last couple of years, but whether you're talking about Judge but or But Judge Torres, is the face of the Yankees. Yes. He's the... F- right now he is. Yeah. Or he might not be anymore. With... You think... No, no, no. Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. Cole. Fair, fair, fair. What's going to be really interesting to see is if another Jeter versus A-Rod dynamic develops between Judge and and Cole. Everybody was thinking it was going to happen between Judge and Stanton, but because Stanton was basically off the field for 2019, he's kind of faded a little bit bit back into the limelight. He's kind of like a backup singer. Yeah, I mean, listen, Stanton's going to be starting in the outfield quite a bit now. You hope. Well, no. I mean, they're starting outfield next year. As long as he's healthy. As long as he's healthy, their starting outfield is going to be Judge, Brett Gardner, and Giancarlo Stanton. And think of that outfield what you will, but that's what it's going to be. Yeah. All right. Sam, so why Cole over Strasburg? Strasburg is fewer years, uh, relatively similar amount of money, although a little less. Because the Nationals didn't add anything to their team. Mm Mm-hmm. They kept... But you can make the case that if you're the Nationals as opposed to the Yankees, they may not have added anything. But what they have done is keep their keep their core, their big or half of their core. As of now, yeah, they've exactly. kept they've, they've lost Rendon. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Rend- yeah the Rendon I- and Soto combination was one for the ages. I don't know if. Oh yeah, the Nationals. Rend- I don't think Rendon did he, he get out after the seventh inning in the World Series. He had something like he a six seventy ish batting it. average or I something think like he that. He had like one like in Game Seven where he got out. Yeah. So he was not listen. The Rendon and Soto combo, the righty lefty, just like as your three four hitters, is pretty much impossible to get through a third time. Now Juan Soto is going to walk even more. Yeah, Juan Soto. Unless the Nationals spend more money and sign one or two decent hitters, like well Nicholas Castellanos. Well, also Carter Keboom is someone they can call up. Carter Keboom, I think, was the number five prospect. Yeah, but listen, at this, if you're get to him exactly, and if you're the Washington Nationals. If your choices of who to bat in front of or behind Juan Soto are Carter Keboom or, or Josh the, Donaldson, yeah, you're gonna pick. You're gonna want to have Josh Donaldson now. He's a, he's the next. He was very good this past year. He was, he was comeback he was player under, of the year, five win player with the Braves. He 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 helped revive that offense because the one thing that they were missing was a right-handed veteran bat, middle of the lineup, 
high-impact player, and they got it. Donaldson was the smartest baseball player last offseason. Smartest offseason signing, you mean? Yeah, he jumped at the one-year $23 million deal he got. It it was a make-it-break-it deal. He he knew that he wasn't going to get much better because he was really bad. I think the Charlie Morton deal was the best deal, but... but For the player? For the player? For the no, player. No, it the was his Charlie Morton's was best for the was the best deal for, for, for a team. Josh Donaldson's Allen's was the best for the for the player. Gotcha. Because he didn't he didn't do what all the other high profile free agents in their thirties have done over the last two years, which was wait. Somebody uh, the Braves went out and said, We want you. Here's one year. We'll pay you twenty three million dollars to play with us for one year because we know that you're a good player, but you have to show us that you're still that good player. And he said yes. Yeah. Now he's and now with Rendon gone, like the, like he the, might yeah. Now with Rendon signed with the Angels, he might be 34 years old, but he is the best available free agent infielder. And I think if you're the Nationals, that's the kind of guy you get for a couple years because right now your window, you know you have a window for at least the next couple years because you know that Scherzer is probably going to stay good. Strasburg Hopefully. Is, Strasburg, I think, has actually been getting better season by season. He, he, you could make that case. I mean, I think Strasburg might He's even, bounced up and down between elite and really good yeah. over the course of his whole career since the Tommy John. But he's never been the best pitcher on his team. No. Yeah. And then, but, that's, but now he's getting... But, but now also he's getting Scherzer was on his team. Yeah, but doesn't it... Don't, you know, I just realized this. Doesn't it blow your guys' minds a little bit that now Steven Strasburg is making more money than Max Scherzer is? Or it, did when he signed his contract? How old... Let me see how old Scherzer... Scherzer's probably like 33, 34. Scherzer's, no, older. Max Scherzer's 35. Scherzer's 35. Okay, he signed the deal he in 2014 so, offseason, right? Yeah, so yeah. he was so... But he had a crazy first, deal. It was a, it was a deferred great. money. It was seven years, 200 mil, except it was... It was seven, sorry, seven, seven and 210. 210. Except, except it was... Uh, it was deferred. It was deferred over 14 years, so they paid... Yeah, I mean, listen, I think years. that that's... I think that the deferment... Is Strasburg's deal like that, too? Is no. his money deferred? No. No, I don't think that they deferred it this time. Because I know that I that was one of... Lesson. It's such a Nationals move. It's a, it was a Ted Lerner that, move. Well, that was one of... That was probably Anthony Rendon's biggest push away from Washington is that he didn't want this money to get deferred. He wants to get paid now. No, I think... No, the, never mind. I think that that was probably not the only... Cole and the Angels. No, I think the thing was Anthony Rendon didn't want to play in L.A., so he went to the Angels. <laughs> well, also, why the Dodgers didn't need him. I don't think the Dodgers were... I don't think the Dodgers were one of the teams that were interested Do- in him, I th- but... I think the, the Dodgers could have used him because I... For I what? Think so now I'd rather I, have okay. Rendon than Justin Turner. Justin Turner is kind of... Turning back into a pumpkin. Sure, but you're, I mean, he already looks like a pumpkin. I was, yeah. uh, you beat me to it, but I mean, yeah, you, Dodgers, Rendon, Rendon is better than is, is a Dodgers, better choice over Justin Turner. But a Justin Turner is still solid. Yeah. B he is one of the fan favorites in LA. You're not you're not getting rid it's of him. It's not like you're getting rid of him. You're just putting him in left field. Put Justin Turner in left field. I'd rather. Or first what base, are you first base? What are you, um? <laughs> yikes! What are you on right now? They're what? gonna move Justin Turner. He's your third baseman. If you sign Rendon, then of course you move Justin. Who plays Turner. first base for them now? Because they moved Bellinger to. Oh, it's Muncy. You're not. No, moving. Muncy plays second. Muncy no, plays second. does he? Some, and then yeah. Seager plays shortstop, and then so then so then who plays first base for them? Bellinger. Or Adam some? Kalerik did once. That's true. No, Bellinger's Bell. They permanently moved Bellinger off of first base. Then look. Then you. Then no, you I'm sign good. Rendon and you put Turner at first base. I don't think it's. It was David Freeze for lefties. Yeah. The Dodgers, I'm very secret, curious the, right the now. Dodgers lineup had some secret holes in there, and I think the Nationals took a little bit of advantage of that. Obviously, the, the bullpen was what killed them. No, in the Max playoffs, uh, Max Muncy is is listed as their as their first baseman. How, How many, many games, games, they, yeah. games they play there? Uh, I have to look that one up, but uh, I'll get back to you. I don't know. It's 
I think the the this is what I talked about in the pod last week, but if you're a team that has a chance at winning the World Series, the best thing you can do is sign a great player. Because that just ups your chances by a significant amount. Like wow. if you I mean, yeah, obviously, but I think it's instead of the thing is always like, oh, an up-and-coming team should sign one of the best players to see if, because then maybe they'll be in the conversation for winning the That's World Series. That's what the Padres did with Machado. Exactly, yeah. And Hosmer. But, yeah. I mean, they've Smart. both been wildly disappointing. Or even the That's fi- a separate issue. Even the Phillies with Bryce Harper. But, all, but right now, if you're a team like the Yankees or Dodgers or Astros, <clears throat> who are doing nothing, then... Because they can't. Then, yeah, then you... I, well, the so, Yankees okay, and Dodgers the can here's somehow, the, even though they're going over the luxury. Because the, Astro, the Astros, the Astros, the Astros, I guess don't want to. Plus, I, the the one thing that separates I, the Nationals are the only team that I think is currently in this problem, in this situation. And the Astros didn't want to join them. The Astros didn't want to have two starting pitchers that they're going to owe thirty three plus million dollars. They already all, have them. No, they have Cole one. Ber- Ber- um, Berlander and Greinke. No, that's true. Then they didn't want three. Yeah, but it only have been for you two don't want, years. Do you, you really want for two years? I don't care. Do you really want to have a next year? Do you really want to pay over a hundred million dollars to three guys who will, in total, only play about sixty-five percent of your games? And you want to put a hundred million? If they're pitching a hundred percent of your of your starting pitcher innings in the playoffs, then yeah, I do want. There's also guys. we also have to take into account that. Zach Greinke is going to be entering a full season back in the American League. This is the first time Greinke has is pitching in the American League since, since his fastball Angels. since his since he was on the Angels in 2012. Since his fastball velocity has dipped down from 92 oh, to I 95 know. down to 88 to 90. He's now listen. listen he's still I've very. Never, I've never been a proponent of the Greinke trade. I think that they gutted their. Should have gone to the Yankees. No, I think what I think is that they gutted their farm system a little too much. They should have, should have gone off after someone like Madison Bumgarner, who would have been a free agent after the year. The price the would Giants have been cheaper. Would have, the Giants would have the Giants price for Madison Bumgarner with the trade deadline so was high. astronomically high. And Bumgarner in the it last two or three been... years has not been as good as he was from 2010 to 16. He was still quite good, but nowhere near as good. No, the reason he also I, was the reason the reason way would have done worse that out of AT and T Park. Regardless of how high the price Oracle. would have been, it would have been lower than Granke's price. And second of all, if you because if Bumgarner is a free agent after the year, then you have no excuse not to try to re-sign Garrett Cole, because that thirty-three million dollars that you're paying to Zach Greinke, if you could just transfer 30, thirty-four, thirty-four. Well, no, I, I think it's a little. Di- <laughs> there's a little bit of a discount because the Diamondbacks are paying a little bit of it. Oh, how nice of them! How generous! Paying one of the thirty-four point four million. No, no, I think that's, I think it's like a fifteen million. They're paying fifteen million dollars total. I think. Whoa. I know it's not that much, but anyway. No, that's a decent amount. Yeah. That's it's almost half the salary. So no, no, fifteen million total, not fifteen million. Fifteen million over three years. I think it's five million. A year. Oh. Anyway, well, I don't remember the exact numbers. Boy, it sounds reasonable. But the Astros should have kept more of their prospects and actually had a fighting chance to sign Cranky after to sign Cole after the season. That's but, all I'm gonna say. And that right there is exactly why I think the L.A. Dodgers are in a position where they don't need to sign somebody because they have so many. Now they may not want to do this, but they have three very they have three very young, very good looking prospects that say you Bueller, could. You, May and Lux. No, um, Gavin Lux, Dustin May, and Kybert Ruiz. Oh yeah, Kybert Ruiz. God, is very I love good. Dustin May's hair. Ugh. It's phenomenal. I I'm, I'm not a fan. But him and Justin Turner, man. Oh, two two ginger oh, two Turner's gingers on the hair same team. I hate. I hate Dustin May's hair. But I like Dustin May's my, hair. My my point is that those three guys, they're three really good looking young prospects. I think Dustin May is 20, 21, 22. Gavin Lux, I think, is twenty one, and I think Kybert Ruiz is maybe even twenty. 
So if you wanted to trade for somebody like Francisco Lindor or Chris Bryant, then, you know, you're going to have to trade those guys. And they yeah. can. They they have so much money already locked up in so many players that they Chris might have Bryant to. Chris Bryant could play anywhere so in the outfield. what I want to move on or to. Or first base. Here's what I want to move on to. There's been a lot of names thrown around like, oh, they're willing to listen to offers on this guy. I want you to give me a per- percent chance on each of these guys getting traded. Traded? Okay. I like, I like, before you say that, I really am a fan of the Lindor to the Dodgers rumors. Arenado. Oh, 20%. Zero. I would put it like 8, 8%. Zero. Arenado's not getting traded. The thing about Arenado is that he is 20%. Colorado. Colorado, he's like the Jose Altuve of the Colorado Rockies. He is the team. There's no way they even attempt to trade him, I feel like. And you, when you you add on to that, that... No, He's their only hope of competing in the future. You don't want to blow it up again, like and, and done like, so many times in the past. And despite the Coors Field effect, I, I still firmly believe that whether he's at home or away, he is the best offensive third baseman in the game. He's the second best defensive third baseman in the game. But he's got such a... He's got a rid- I'd put Rendon over Arenado for offense. Okay, that that's... Maybe. That's... We can... That's... That's fine. But yeah. my point is that he's got the massive contract. He's a superstar talent with a massive contract. and We I think are very lucky for how many good third basemen we have in baseball. Without right a now. doubt. This is, and this, people have said this, that this, is the goal, this has been another golden age of third baseman. 2015 on has been a golden age of third I baseman. Agree. You have the prime years of Donaldson. You have the, the rise of Randone, Bryant. Arenado, Matt Chapman, Bregman, Machado. Alex Bregman, Manny. Yeah, ma- no, Manny Machado. He was definitely Machado. He, I mean, he's shortstop now, but no, he's well, not. oh no, he's not because of Tatis. He, he, you're right. Yeah, so it's without a doubt a golden age. But for me, I just think that when you combine the contract and the level of talent, and thus what it would, what the receiving team would have to give to Colorado, and they might I, not even feel it's worth it because of the amount of money he's being paid. I say zero. I say there's a zero percent chance it gets traded. I think I can't believe you think it's twenty. It's twenty percent because there's a chance that the Rockies are like we have to blow it up because nothing's working, but I think still think it's relatively low. I think if the number if if it's being floated around, there's always a chance. The only but I think it's the chance because it's the Rockies who are going to people and saying, "Hey, what's the price on Arenado?" Because there's no way that that something like that comes out if someone like I don't know. The Dodgers co- go and call up the Rockies and like, hey, what's the price in Arenado? And they say, screw you, and just and walk out of there. I think the only way those rumors get floated out is if the Rockies are doing it, and that's why it's twenty percent. Mookie bets seventy five percent. I put it at sixty five. Thirty. Yeah. Really? I think they're Boston. Hot. Boston. Listen, it's a totally different set of circumstances because Mookie is strictly one year, but he's a rental. He's he's a rental. He's but he might, might win the MVP as a rental. Exactly. But that's exactly why I have the chance so low. I just don't think that... The, the Red Sox need to replenish their farm system. That's no secret. They The only really decent-looking young talent that they had going into the season was Michael Chavis, and now he's up in the bigs. Their farm system is crap. They need to... Because Dave Dombrowski basically gutted it so that they yes, have a but he won them a Yes, but he won them the won 2018 World, World Series. Series. And listen... The so- Sox fans, I'm sure, are going to say that, oh, it wasn't worth it, it wasn't worth it. Well, it was. You was wanted- it worth it? I would say it was worth it. It was worth it because we won a World Series. Exactly. It was worth it because you won the World Series. That's exactly why, you know, the Yankees' big spending spree going into 09 ended up being worth it because they won a World Series out of it. But I just don't and think— And didn't make it for another decade. Irrelevant. They won the title with it. I think that Mookie yeah. Betts' likelihood of getting traded is so low because— even though it's a one-year rental, 
it's probably the greatest one-year rental that will ever get traded if it happens. And the Red Sox are going to ask for the same type of thing as what a team would ask for, what the Rockies would ask for for Arenado. You're going to probably say— I'd say it's l- worth it for Mookie Betts, though. Let's just say for—just for, for our, just for the sake of comparison. This won't happen, but let's just say for the sake of comparison that he goes to—that that the Dodgers want to get him. This is the type of package that a team would have to give up. You're talking about— not Dustin a, May. Dust, no, no, no. You're talking about Dustin May, Gavin Lux, and Kybert Ruiz. No, you're not. He's a, he's a one-year guy. Oh, I'm, please. You Sam, think the Red— Sam, would you do a one-for-one— Dustin May for Mookie Betts. No. That's awful. Are you serious? No. Dustin no. May's pitched 30 innings in the major leagues. Mookie Betts is an MVP. It's yeah. one year of him. I would not do it for one prospect. Dustin, you D- Dustin May and your choice of any prospects not on their top five. No, top I, would five. Do, Sam, I would Here, do Sam, do let me propose Matt, this one. Matt Manning, Casey Mize. Maybe so you just want okay, to that's not every, that's not happening. The Tigers are not going to... Oh, and their first overall pick this year, too? Just so you can get uh, Torkelson. Or, I don't think you can trade. Dra- you can't trade draft picks, can you? I know you can't. No, I'm, but like, say we we get uh, we get Emerson Hancock whenever you guys draft. He's the PTBNL. Well, listen here. So how about how about this? But yeah, the Tigers aren't trading Rid- for him. No. So how do how does this sound? Again, we're just saying for for the sake of comparison because the Dodgers are not going to make this trade. But how would you feel if the Dodgers wanted him? You give them Mookie Betts. Would you make the trade of Mookie Betts for Dustin May, Gavin Lux, and Walker Bueller? Yes. Deal. Yes. yes. Hard speed. Do you think the Dodgers? You but do but do you think no. a team? Why not? Uh, Walker Bueller is. Yeah, Bueller is untouchable. Bueller is worth okay, more so, than Mookie Betts. Okay, but the point no, that I'm trying. No, okay, no. so I, but the point that I'm trying. Contracts. Bueller is 100 percent worth more than Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is under team control for one year, and Walker Bueller might win a couple of Cy Youngs on his rookie deal. Okay, listen. The point that I'm trying to make is that. And this is, is all, this is expensive? all this is all around why I think Mookie won't get traded because you're gonna have to give up some combination of top prospects and major league level talent to Here's get Mookie. Here's my thing though, do you know? And who, that's not gonna happen. You know who got traded? Who? Manny Machado. Man, I I think the Mookie bets get traded. Whether because it's, he was it, on a whole, a, I think it might be mid season. It might it might be mid season when bets gets traded, and it won't be for that much. But Sam, if the Red Sox don't look like they're gonna make the playoffs, we're not gonna make the playoffs. Th- then you would guys you, are not making you, the playoffs? Not, not would you trade playoffs. Mookie? Mid-season? I would trade... If you can still get a really good prospect haul out of it? Like, comparable to the Manny Machado haul? The Manny Machado haul wasn't good. Well, it wasn't It could have been good. But it isn't. It actually couldn't have been good. (laughs) Okay, next next player. Carlos Correa. No, that's not happening. I actually put this... I put 15. I put 15. I put this one at four, about 40%. I think this is. I think Correa is more likely to get traded than either of the other two guys. Here's why I don't think Correa is likely to get traded. Correa is, has one of the top five wins above replacement ever for a shortstop of his age. Uh, Correa has been elite when he's been healthy. If he was healthy for the entire 2019 season, he would have had 42 home runs. Uh, over 100 RBIs, nearly 100 runs, etc. But you got to account for the you have to account tr- trash cannon for the same way you account for Coors Field. <laughs> okay. Anyway. We don't know how long that's been going on for, or how much he was, eh, or how much. kind of a jam. And we also don't know. We also don't know how much he specifically ignoring, took advantage. Ignoring of that. the trash can thing, which I don't. I mean, I don't think that has that much of an issue because Correa was already was phenomenal jab, before the geez, trash can stuff happened. Sort of sen- no, but so defensive. No, but seriously. Like, Correa is one of the... Well, yeah, no, I'm... Yeah. <laughs> yes. Correa's a top three, might be a top three shortstop in the game, and he's this young, and if you're the Astros and you feel like you can get him healthy for the next couple of seasons, then that 
is the perfect time for someone like that because your championship window right now is the next two seasons and it drops off after that because then you don't have Verlander or Granke anymore and you have to figure out your entire rotation. See, the the, prob- the thing is that... You don't I, trade him unless you get someone like... You got to trade I, him I don't for, even know what you, you trade to, him you for. Have to, for. For pitching. You trade him for pitching and then you sign another another serviceable shortstop. Or you put Bregman in shortstop and you put a, and you sign a guy for play third base. E- either way. I think Carlos I Correa has a decent likelihood to be traded because especially now that I, I think the Astros have a somewhat shaky bullpen after Roberto Osuna. Yes, Ryan Presley's got the you know good breaking ball or whatever, but I don't trust any of their relievers at, besides Osuna. Trade Carlos Correa for a decent starting pitcher or for a decent reliever. A like, decent put, reliever? Put, oh, Correa's, oh, here's here's one. Here's one for you. Put put you Carlos ta- Correa you in. We're talking about guys who put only... Carlos Correa together in a package to trade for Josh Hader. Daniel, before earlier you were talking about how you don't want to. Didn't the Astros have Hader at one point? Yeah, we did. Yeah, so he get him, in, get him back. Who was in the Carlos Gomez trade? Don't even talk about that. Ooh, and Mike Fire. Oh, that was a fun God. trade. Yeah, that was the worst trade in Astros history. But anyway, you were talking earlier about how you don't want to sign a guy for that much money. He's only going to play twenty percent of your games, or relievers only going to throw eighty innings. Carlos Correa, if healthy, is going to be an MVP level player at shortstop. Except that he's not healthy, and he has never had Yoshi- an MVP level season. Yoshitomo Tsutsugo just went to the Rays. Ooh, Ooh the uh, he's the is he an outfielder? He's a Japanese y- guy. Yes, Japanese guy. Oh, he's their new All Tommy. Right. He's their new Tommy Pham. The Rays Rays fans are still no, going to be salty as hell Tsutsugo about it. Can't run. All right. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you guys want to end with? Well, you have any other I guys? Have tons more guys. All right, oh, one, yeah. one more good, one, one more big more. one. Okay, then Lindor. Francis. Oh, one hundred percent. Eighty-five. Yeah, that's one, like a ninety to me. One hundred percent. We are going to see a blockbuster trade involving at least one of Gavin Lux or Dustin May for Lindor. I love. I. I They're wanna... both going to Cleveland yeah. if it's Francisco Lindor. He's got two two years of it control might, left. Is that what it is? You're you're getting. You, you might, are, It might be, but it might be like. Gavin Lux, Kybert Ruiz, and a couple other guys like Julio Urias or someone like that. That would, and yeah, you know what? I, I, I would, to be I, that to be honest, I actually I like that trade a yeah. lot. Dodgers, if you're listening to this, then consider that offer. But here's why I think it's I I just Francisco Lindor, in my opinion, feel free to disagree. Francisco, he's the best shortstop in baseball. Thank you. He's. Do you disagree? Are you going to say Xander Bogarts right now? Xander you're Bogarts thinking, was the best of, shortstop in baseball last season. He was the best so offensive I would shortstop. Take Lindor. Lindor doesn't really hit above 300. Yeah, but Bogarts doesn't really play good, great defense. You also don't need to hit above 300 he plays anymore. Fine to be, defense. He doesn't play great defense. You also don't need to Take hit above cast. 300 to be considered oh, an elite God. hitter anymore. Just, what are you saying, Xander? Oh my lord. Okay, either way, for this for the sake of time, Little I think Derek Francisco. Dietrich. I think Francisco Lindor is the great is the best shortstop in baseball. And well, I think you know that, how I mentioned Correa. The stat about Correa, top five um, wars of shortstops of his age. Is Lindor probably Lindor number is one? Above him, he's above him. A-Rod's number one. Okay, that okay, that makes sense. But I think Francisco Lindor is very likely to get traded. I think, and I wouldn't be surprised if the if, Dodgers should be the team to do it. The Dodgers should be the team to do it because they really want. They I don't know why. I don't know capital. why they've lost faith, complete faith in Corey Seager, who's only twenty three or twenty four years old. But they have. Okay, they want a new. Sh- here's something insane. Here's something insane to think about. Him and Kyle are following the same path. If you, if you're the him and who Kyle. Seager. Oh, Kyle. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Before, Corey was wait. way more talented of a prospect Lastly, than his brother ever was. Last thing. If you're the Astros, do you consider these two trades? Correa for Syndergaard, and then you turn around and trade Forrest Whitley and Kyle Tucker for Francisco Lindor. What? Why? That just seems like... Uh, that's, o- that's okay. <laughs> two for, steps forward and three steps back. Wait, the second trade was for Lindor, you said? So you said so trade you, Correa to the Mets for Syndergaard. And Which then, is something that's been kicked around because the and, Mets are the team that was supposedly in on him. Okay, so so Correa Lind- to the Mets for Syndergaard. And then Whitley and Tucker 
to for uh, Lindor because li- because listen again, if you are that if you are that desperate to win now the my only concern with that is that you're gonna they're gonna put themselves in the exact same position as the Red Sox of whenever this dynasty ends especially considering what you gave up to get Zach Greinke you will give up every remaining semblance of talented prospects you have I'm, left. I'm just kicking You're around. Also on the tail end of it. Of yeah. that. They, are, they, are on, they are on the tail end of the dynasty. Yeah. That, I'm just kicking around what Astros Twitter has been kicking around. I wanted to see what you guys thought about it. Right. Noah Syndergaard is not going to help the, out that team that much, especially moving from a decently pitcher-friendly ballpark like City Field to one of the best off-hitting stadiums in the country in Minute Maid Park. As an Astros he, fan, I completely agree with you. All he's right. already a shaky pitcher. Minute Maid Park will swallow him whole. This was nice. We're going to talk... Hope. I don't know what more MLB stuff there's going to be when we come back next month, but Daniel, it was a pleasure and pleasure to come back on. Thank you we for will having see me. See you maybe in a month or two. Oh All yeah. All right. What I love about uh, Five Thirty Eight is that the the Raptor War is that it's so different than how people usually talk about basketball, and it's so much more similar to how people talk about baseball. Yeah. Because like, imagine if Mike Trout was able to hit like four times uh, through the lineup. That's basically what James Harden is doing when you have someone like with a high usage rate. It's because you're literally saying how valuable has someone been to your team, to the team, and then it's like, oh, this is how valuable the person has been. Because with basketball, the talk is so often it's like, well, if this guy had been, Giannis is only playing 32 minutes, the lowest of his career, so that's how good the he is and the Bucks are that he only has to play that many minutes, which is definitely true. But James Harden is kind of racking up stats. When his team to basically help his team win, and so the fact that James Harden is six point eight WAR in Raptor, which is nuts. Think about the fact that someone has that many wins above replacement, and Giannis is fourth at four point seven, which I think is at least partially due to his um, the fact that he's only played thirty two minutes a game, but also yeah, James Harden has been twice as good on offense as Giannis has. The only person who's even re- close to him is Luca, but. I don't know. I just really like this kind of stuff because it shows you how valuable the player has been in every single one of their minutes. PER is different. PER is the kind of stat that might be the best for, like, real basketball nerds. Like, people who are really into the whole idea of, like, this is how good someone is in their time on the court. But that's why you sometimes get random guys who are really good at PER just because... It's like Boban. When Boban's on the court... He is... Well, usually you, you only look at PR if he's played like 20 or exactly. more minutes yeah, yeah. a game. But yeah, Boban is the best P is the PR guy because he literally he, scored... He's literally you can't keep him on the floor. Steroid yeah. and laced JaVale McGee. Exactly. He just... he's It's like Taco Fall might be like phenomenal PR. I mean, like ta- Taco Fall per 36 minutes stats are just, you know... They're, they're nuts. Because he's the kind of guy you always feed the ball when he's on the court. But I don't know. So, but so that's why James Harden to me. Ugh, I guess the best player is something different to say than. Um, best player is Luka Doncic. And that's a take I want to talk about. Uh, the best player is, I guess, a little different to me than how valuable a player has been, it's because best player in the league is just like who would you take? Who would be your guy? Who's done the best this year? But the most valuable player, it might have to be someone like James Harden or Luka Doncic, because. They're just leading in war. Or, well, actually, Luka's very close to LeBron. But James Harden is just leading by an insane amount. He's provided so much value to his team that, I don't know, you kind of have to put him number one in your MVP race. But anyway, we on the basketball pod today are going to be talking about our top 10 players at this point in the season through 25 games. And 
Sam, do you want to start me off with your number 10? Number 10? Oh, God, no. I want to start with number Fine, one. Fine, let's start with number one. Let's go number one through 10. Because if it's 10, yeah, no. Okay, one is Luca. Tell me why. He can just do everything. Yeah. I don't think there's anything more to be said. He literally just keeps putting up 40-point triple-doubles. Unlike and unlike Westbrook, he actually helps his team, and he's not and he's not stat padding. I don't think Westbrook is really stat padding this year. No, it's no. I'm talking about like like past Westbrook. Yeah, yeah sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, Luca reminds me. It's almost like it reminds me of sort of those LeBron James days when he was in Cleveland. Except if that LeBron James had had a three point shot. It's sort of like one player on a team that's. Okay, it's 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 a decent team around him, but it's not very it's not very good that he's just really elevating. Like LeBron his first year in the league, the Cavs were still pretty bad. But then by the time he hit his second year, he made a huge jump. Even though he had one rookie, they made a huge jump and the Cavs made the playoffs. That's kind of what this Luka Mavs season reminds me of. Luka is the kind I of I think it yeah. can't, it doesn't remind me of anything because it's just it's so different in in every way cuz he's putting up so many like meaningful stats with, like, a co-star, Porzingis. I'm not sure I'd call, consider Porzingis a co-star this year, even though he has been sort of he's getting better. He's being paid more than Luka. He's being paid more than Luka, but at the same time, I'm not sure he's been performing at the kind of level that you want someone like him to be. I mean, the Cavs had de- the Cavs had some okay players. Some some years they had, they had phenomenally bad players around LeBron James, but... And KP is probably better than anyone on that Cavs supporting cast. But outside of that, I'm not sure you'd say anyone was better than, like, the third or fourth best player on the Cavs supporting cast. Like, Maxi Kleber and Seth Curry and Dorian Finney-Smith are kind of just ju- JGs, just another guys. Or do you so disagree I, with I, I assume your number one is Harden? No, my number one is Giannis. I am so impressed with what the Bucks have done this year because... I think we both were on the record of saying this, that we thought the Sixers might be the best team in the league and the Bucks would be the number two. Yeah. It wasn't because, like, we thought Giannis was going to do poorly. It's just because we thought that last year was kind of their peak. They lost Malcolm Brogdon, who's been doing phenomenally in Indiana and is probably an honorable mention on my list. But they've won, what is it, 16 games in a row now? Yeah. It's an insane amount. They're going right up there with the Lakers for the best team in the league. The Lakers, we also got to talk about. But... Giannis has been doing phenomenally well in the minutes that he's playing. He's somehow better. He's like I said, he's playing the fewest minutes of his career, but he also has the best stats of his career. He's like 31, 13 and 5 or something insane like that. He's just better in all aspects of his game. I know he said at the end of last season that he was maybe like at 60% of his peak. Maybe this is only 80% of this peak, maybe this is 100% of this peak, but what he's only 25 years old and from what we've seen of Giannis, he still has another level up to go. And yet, at the same time, he's been the most dominant player in the league. Harden, I don't think Harden's been the most dominant player in this in the league this year. Harden's just been the most sort of unstoppable player in the league this year. Giannis is wrecking teams, and the games are just kind of over. Harden isn't quite able to lead the team to victory by himself. And Giannis is having a really good defensive season. Harden is having one of his better defensive seasons, but it still is only like... It's a decent. It's not like the kind of guy who Giannis, he might not be DPOI this year as he was close to last year, but he uh, go by one last year. But I think that Giannis has just been a little better than Harden this year. And 
in the time that he's played. And I just, he just, he is the best player in the league. He's taken that title from LeBron, and I don't think there should be much to argue with about that. Who's your number two? My number two is Giannis. Okay. Same reasons, or you got some more? Yeah, same reasons, and he's not going to be ever number one unless he develops a reliable three-point shot. Yeah. Um, I... You just think that... I don't know. It's not, it's not that, like, I hold... I, I, I'm kind of holding that against him because he already does so much on the court, but it's very hard for me to c- make him my best player because there's... You can somewhat sag off of him. It's true. This is sort of my worry about what's going to happen in the playoffs. Well, that's what that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's why I'm kind of not really thinking that the Bucks are going to go all the way because it's same problems from last year, the three-point shooting. Yeah, I agree. Like, you don't want... In the playoffs, you're going to have a lot more half-court-style offenses, especially if you have a game against, like, a series against the Sixers. The Sixers might be the trouble. Six, Sixers are going to, f- like, foul Giannis out almost every game. I exactly. Think. Giannis was actually fouling out a lot in the first few games of this season, yeah, although he's turned that, that around. Yeah, but that's another thing I'm worried about. Yeah. He's, like, it's very hard for a guy like him to stay in the game. We talk about these guys like Harden and Giannis as, like, the best players in the regular season time and time again, but... At the same time, in the playoffs, it usually comes down to, like, LeBron and Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard. Those kinds of guys who are great in the half court. Obviously, Harden is very good in the half court because that's where he gets all, so many of his shots off isolations. But a t- team that can run like Giannis, you can sort of stop them if you can slow down that part in the seven-game series. Someone like Harden, if you really commit to him, then all that you have to have is his team has a couple bad shooting games and you can win that series. That's, like, yeah. when the... Those kinds of guys, they're good. I'm not sure how great they are making the other players on their team better. I mean, they obviously do a good job of that, but not maybe not the kind of job that someone like LeBron LeBron James makes everyone on his team better. He just increases your level to a great degree. And he's also, he's won before. I don't know if that's something that really matters, winning before, but it seems like you we've every single season that LeBron's been in the playoffs, he's in the past nine years he's made the finals yeah and the only times he hasn't won is where he, he ran into the but either the buzzsaw that was the golden state warriors or just a couple random like spurs mav series that didn't really make very much sense all right my number two is my number two is harden yeah. for sure james harden might average 40 points a game this year he's averaging nearly that already he scored 60 points in three quarters in one game he scored 55 only shooting five free throws, yeah, by the that way. Yeah, was impressive. 20 the, for 34. Yeah. 10 field. for 18 on threes. Yeah. That's phenomenal shooting. I was really, really impressed yeah, with what he... Yeah, that, that was impressive with me yeah. as well. Yeah, because what James Harden, the reason uh, he'd been getting so close to 40 points, as we've talked about in the pod, is because he's averaging um, like a 10, historical 10 amount of free throws. Game, yeah. No, not 10. Was 10 like, is... His, it was, it's it's like, like 14. Yikes, okay. Which only Wilt has ever done in the history of the NBA. Yeah, Wilt probably made eight or nine of them. That's true. And also, Wilt, like, can you imagine someone trying to stop Wilt? Uh, like, uh, those times, imagine being, like, one of those, like, 6'9 white guy defenders. There, there were not any 6'9 white guy defenders back in the 1960s. That's true, like, 6'5 guys. 6'2 f- mailmen or truck drivers. Yeah. But anyway, um, my number three is LeBron. Yeah. I like, well, 
I think LeBron has, is quietly having one of the best seasons of his career. Especially, I, I actually kind of agree, okay, yeah. as much as I hate to say it. Because I'm kind of eating my words. Because I didn't think the Lakers would be that good, and they seem to be very, very good. I also didn't think the Lakers would be that good. Should we talk about that? No. No, we don't want to talk about how the Lakers are right up to have only lost three games this entire season. Why would we talk about that? It's not a story. I don't like the Lakers. I mean, LeBron is my number three. AD is my I number mean, five. LeBron is my number three. Yeah. You know, this is something we talked about, though. I think we kind of we kind of predicted this a little. You know how it was like the comparison of who's going to play more minutes? Uh, uh, Kawhi and PG or AD and LeBron? It was clearly AD and LeBron because of Kawhi and PG, are, you kind of like, oh, they're going to be hurt. They're going to have a lot of load management. The only reason we thought the Lakers wouldn't be that good is because we had low opinions of the cast surrounding them, which has been a really good bench. I guess continuity for a decent amount kind of matters. Alex Caruso is the GOAT. Yeah, I love him. Yeah. And Rondo's actually been good with LeBron. Dwight's been good. Dwight's been surprisingly good, even though JaVale McGee has really not been very good. And so that's a surprising Lakers team, but also it makes sense when you have, in my for my money, two of the top five players in the league on your team and you're running them out for... I'd 35, put 40 minutes a game every night? Not top five, but we'll get to that. Did you put him top 10? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I think they've done a really impressive job. Who's your number three? My number three is... what? I just, Harden, okay. I assume. Mm, no, it's LeBron. LeBron? Okay, that's fair. Yeah, Le- LeBron is... I had LeBron... I think LeBron and Harden are 3A and 3B for, okay. for me. Because Harden does everything... They, I feel like they put have the same am- amount of positive output. It's just all of Harden's outputs on offense. Yeah, LeBron, or no, all, all of Harden is on scoring mainly, yeah. and LeBron is scoring a little bit. Of he's leading the league in assists. assists. Yeah, so Harden's close, but he's not quite up there. Yeah, I feel like they're very close in terms of output. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, but I would still rank LeBron above Harden. That's fair. LeBron ha- Harden's actually been a little better on defense, according to Raptor this year. Yeah, no, I, I, there haven't, I haven't seen many like, yeah, shocked in a fool from Harden's this year. Basically, yeah, he hasn't been that kind of guy in the last couple of years. If you've been watching the Rockets games, he's still not that great of a reader. Like uh, when he's playing off ball, but on ball. Since he's like a big, thick guy, he's become a really good on-ball defender, and it's been really impressive to see. His steals, he's been pretty good at stealing the ball, He, although he, like Steph Curry, does tend to gamble too much. Yeah. But I, besides, like, transition off-ball defense, he's been really good. So is your four LeBron? My four is Luka. Who did, when did you, where did you have LeBron? Three. He was my number three. Oh, okay. Where yeah. did you have, oh, okay. It was Giannis. It's Giannis, Harden, LeBron, Luka. Oh, okay. We so have the same top four, yeah, okay. just yeah. in different orders. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about Luka. Like, he's almost averaging triple-double. He's shooting the lights out from three. He's leading a Mavs team that you and I probably thought had no business being this good. No, I thought the Mavs would be this good, remember? You, oh, yeah, I did. I did not. But I also had the Hawks being the number four seed. You know what? You win some, you lose some. Yeah, Hawks are bad. They're the same. The Hawks, this is just a side tangent. The Hawks have the same problem they had last year. They can't keep it up in the end of games. They're not very good at closing because they're they're not really a team that can lock it up in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Then to keep their lead. But anyway, back to Luka. Although, like, the Trey Young and Luka stuff. Trey Young has been very, very good this year. Yeah. He's just kind of their only bright spot. But so Luka's been phenomenal this year. By Raptor, Luka has been the second best player in the league. By a lot of stuff, like box plus minus and that kind of yeah. stuff, Luka's at the top. He's had an insane second year. He might win the MVP. I mean, I think it's 
Giannis is gonna win just because Giannis is like because because the Bucks are so good and Giannis is so good, while the Mavs are just like fifth ish in the West right now. But they that's been the biggest surprise of the year, although I can't you can't really call Luca a surprise because we all sort of knew he had this in him. I'm just not sure anyone thought it would happen so fast. But he is a mature guy. He's the kind of guy who I can't wait to see in the playoffs because I feel like he does have the quote-unquote clutch gene. He definitely is not afraid of big moments. And so I can't wait to see what happens this year because the Mavs are almost definitely going to make the playoffs barring catastrophic injuries. Yeah. And I, lo- I, I love Luka. I you love, love Luka? Yeah, yeah. He's your number one? All right, tell me who your number five is because... I guess... I didn't really think about it, but it's got to be Anthony Davis. Yeah. There's not... I feel like the top five's pretty... Pretty clear-cut? Yeah. After you get past... I get a little weird. Actually, I get a little weird. after six, it gets weird. Oh, you're going to be very intrigued to see my number six, but... Yeah, Anthony Davis, he's not really dipped in any any real numbers. He's still scoring very much, still rebounding, playing great defense, catching lobs. He's playing really good defense this year, even though his offense is kind of taking a step back since he's the primary guy. Yeah, I guess that's the only knock you can have against him, but yeah. Yeah, and also, he's also playing a lot of minutes, Yeah, which, so I guess it's a little understandable his offense isn't quite that high, because again, he's playing with LeBron James for so many of those minutes, and LeBron has probably been maybe the third best guy in offense this year, because he's kind of playing out of his mind. He's the third best um, on offense by Raptor, which is pretty good. So, and you know who is actually is number four on that as far as offense by Raptor Donovan Mitchell no it's your boy Kemba Walker yeah I have as, as an normal as an honorable mention too so who's your number five it's gotta be Davis. my number five is also AD yeah. he's been playing great he's LeBron like LeBron last year Lakers didn't make the playoffs LeBron and AD this year the Lakers are the best team in basketball so far so they haven't really played that many good teams still like, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and they still really haven't played that many good teams. They have yet to play the Rockets, for one. Obviously, they've played the Clippers a couple times, but that's, I guess, to be expected. And I would love to... The Lakers haven't yet to play the Bucks. Yeah, but I mean, it's... I it's hope that happens soon. I hope yeah. that happens soon, because that is going to be a phenomenal matchup when it does happen. Because LeBron is... I don't think LeBron wants to pass his title as best player in basketball to Giannis, but it it's happening right before our eyes. All right. Tell me your number six, which I assume is going to be. Who do you think it's going to be? I think it's, it's jo- gonna Joel Embiid. Oh, Joel Embiid. Yeah, I have not liked Joel Embiid this year. He's been he's been very good. I like Joel Embiid as as a player. I am a big Joel Embiid fan, but I really have not loved what I've seen from him this year. He's averaging like twenty seven and like thirteen. He's averaging twenty two and twelve. Is he? He doesn't know it. That's true. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. I thought he, okay, maybe I have to rescind that. I thought he was averaging like 27 and As of Wednesday, I think he was averaging 22 and 12. He might have, yeah. Yikes, okay, well, all right, we're going back, to backtrack, we're going to backtrack. Yeah, track. and he's shooting, he's had 18 shots a game. 22 points and 18 shots a game. Uh, I know. Okay, maybe not, all right. He's all not right, in yeah, my top no, 10. it's definitely going to be Kawhi. Yeah, it's got to be Kawhi. But my number six is not Kawhi Leonard. Who you ready to hear my number six? All right, do you want to hear these um, shooting stats? Yeah. All right, so this player is sh- taking eight and a half three pointers a game. Okay. And he's shooting forty two and a half percent on them. Is it Brandon Ingram? No, Brandon Ingram was shooting five uh, a game, and he's shooting almost fifty percent on them actually. But so, if you wanted a guy like that, who, how tall? How tall do you think this player is? 
six eight. He's six foot eleven. His name is Carl Anthony Towns. I was gonna, and he is yeah, sh- I was gonna put him seven. He is shooting the cover off the ball. He's he, been doing that his whole career. No, no, I know nobody has noticed that he's literally a forty percent free throw shooter. Do you know what Steph, shooter. Steph Curry's average for his entire career is only four thirty. Is four thirty five. Yeah, forty three point five. So Carl Anthony Towns is basically a six foot eleven Steph Curry right now. He's averaging twenty six, eleven and a half, and four and a half this year with one point four blocks a game. His effective field goal percentage is 62%. Yeah. He has been phenomenal this year. I, yeah. I, I had him as my seven. His offense is right after Damian Lillard as the sixth best guy in basketball. To be fair, his defense has been just, like, just barely good enough, to, just barely passable. But he has been really, really good this year. And I predicted a big season from Carlton Towns before the year. But I'm not sure even I could have predicted that. He would. I would rank him above Kawhi Leonard in my quarter of the season. But like the thing is, he's been doing this his whole career. He's literally averaged twenty five and twelve his whole career. Yeah, except this year, I guess they are going through a bit of a rough patch right now because Andrew Wiggins turned back into a pumpkin, unfortunately. Yeah, which I, you predicted. Yeah, I was hoping it was different, but it really wasn't. But Carl Anthony Towns really wants to win, and I think you can see it. And it's just yeah. a shame that it's back to not happening again. So, yeah, Towns is my seven. What, who's yeah. your seven? My seven is Kawhi. Yeah, okay. Kawhi's been good this year. He's, he's been pretty good. I don't know. His defense has been insane. Yeah. This might be, like, his best defensive season that he's ever had, as crazy as it is to think about. His offense has just been fine. I don't know. He's averaging, what is it? He's averaging, like, 24. He's averaging 25 and 8. 25, yeah. 8, and 5, which is actually pretty good. Yeah. But... He's also not shooting very well. He's shooting way more shots a game than you would think. Like, you know how Carl Anthony Towns' effective field goal percentage was 62%? Kawhi's like 55? Kawhi's is 49%. Okay, that's bad. Yeah, he's just not shooting well this year. His free throw percentage is a little down. And he's also not getting to the line quite as much. He's been good. He's been great at defense. But, and the Clippers have been good. But again, the Lakers have been great. And they've been kind of overshadowed by the LA team. Which blew them out about a week ago. Yeah. So I think that you definitely want to be the Lakers than the Clippers right now. Who's your number eight? Am I a homer if I say Kemba? No, not at all. I think Kemba's been one He's of the like, top feel, 15 players at least this season. Okay, yeah. That's what That's what I, I feel like it gets very messy after like these guys. I, but yeah. I feel like Kemba's lived up to the hype, especially his last two games. He scored 44 uh, against the Pacers. Admittedly, in a loss. Yeah, but I think was, he scored thirty-eight last night. He almost willed them to a win, though. In both games. Yeah. He's yeah. Mm. He's. Well, would this be fair? I think you said this earlier, but he's. He might not be as good a player as Kyrie, but he's a much better fit for the Celtics' offense than yeah. Kyrie is. And he actually Which is weird to tries say more defense. They, it's weird to say because it's almost like they're the same player, almost. Yeah, I mean, if you look at actually, Kyrie does not even uh, qualify because he's missed the last 12 games and they've got 9-3 and three in his absence. Yeah. But I don't know. Kemba, like, if you're a Boston fan who was a Kyrie hater last year, you have been proven so, so right that you've got to be happy about your chances this year. Because you guys are definitely championship comp- contenders, I would say. And even though I don't have Kemba in my... <sighs> I, I think that, I don't... I mean, maybe we are. I, like, I don't really see us... You I might, would be very surprised if at the end of the year this was the year that we act that the Celtics won a championship. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair because there are just too many other good teams. Yeah, and I feel like we had better chances in prior years. 
or at least getting the chance. Like last year was the perfect one, even though nobody realized it at the time. Oh, no, no, it wasn't. No, last year would have been the perfect one because it was like the Raptors versus uh, Watered Down Warriors. I think if the Celtics make the title, the finals, they... No, but we didn't have we didn't have the... You couldn't because Kyrie wasn't good and, and Hayward we, wasn't we good. We didn't have the talent. I look at 2017, 2018. As a better year? Yeah. Okay, fair. Because, first of all, we had, like, yeah, I guess Kyrie, we had the injured Kyrie, but we took the Cavs to seven games. But it wasn't a very good Cavs team. It wasn't a very good Cavs team, but we, had, we have proven time and time again that we can beat the Warriors, not at just at home, but on the road. That's true. One, we, we were the one of the two losses they had in the regular season in 2016. The other one was to the Timberwolves. And we we have, I'm pretty sure we have the best record. And the Timberwolves record. one, wasn't that? That was in overtime. Yeah. We have the best record against Golden State. You guys and the Rockets. Yeah. We, like, we are very, very good at covering them. The Celtics and the Rockets were kind of the only two teams that were built to defend, to play against Golden State, which I think speaks to organizational philosophy, being very similar. Even though the Celtics are quote-unquote more old school, although they do have a lot of new age stuff that probably is from the holdover from when Daryl Morey was on the team. But I think those teams are both built, yeah, they're both built in similar ways. They're both, they shoot a lot of threes. I don't, I, 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 I think it was very different teams. I think no, I think or the teams as they are in the court are different, but I think the organizational philosophies are kind of the same. It's try to get a lot of open threes and layups, and that's what the Celtics did so badly last season. He, well, no, I think it's I think it's mm, I I agree, but that's what the NBA is going to. They're either shooting under the basket or shooting from twenty four feet away. Yeah. Last year, the when you had Jason Tatum shooting eighteen footers instead of threes or layups, that's when he took a step back. But this year he's taking a step uh, a step forward because he switched his game around and has been really phenomenal player. He's taking year. a step forward, but he's also taken a step back so he can get behind the three point line. Yes, exactly. Who's your my number eight is Dame. Sure. Which, I mean, I think Dame has just been consistently one of the best players in the league. He's one of the best offensive guards the league has. We're like we're, when we talk about this decade, Damian Lillard is going to be one of the guys we talk about just because of how much of a mainstay he's been. And he's always been like the fourth or fifth best guard in the West. Yeah. The issue with the West, th- that's why Dame isn't going to like end his career with that many like all NBA teams. Because you have all you always had Harden, Curry, sometimes Clay, Chris Paul, Westbrook, Westbrook. Yeah. Like just too many great players that like it's hard to compete. I, th- I think he's as of some third team all NBAs, but. Yeah. Like if one guy gets hot for a year, then some the Dame just isn't able. But he's been very consistent. And the Blazers, they've leveled off. They haven't been as bad as they were earlier on. And McCollum has improved, which I like to see because he was just really bad at the beginning of this year. But Dame has been very good. I love what I've seen from him. He's been, he's been a very efficient player, which is something that doesn't always happen to guys like this but he's got 27 he's 27 points a game seven and a half assists four and a half rebounds and he's shooting 54 percent on effective field goal percentage he's been good he's been good he's like 10th in assists right now and seventh in scoring so like even though his defense isn't great he's been he's the kind of guy who is a real team leader and i think just sort of because of like the the past just places himself at that eighth spot Who's your number nine? I kind of want to say Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell is my would is my last guy who missed it. Yeah, yeah, I would put Donovan Mitchell nine. Why would you say that? He's just been 
he he's just gotten even better. Yeah, I feel like offensively he's just become such a reliable scorer. Uh, just able to finish at all three levels. I feel like, and defense isn't shabby either. Yeah, defense is actually really good. Yeah, and it's he's all still still so young, still a lot of uh, room to improve. I I like Donovan Mitchell a lot. Yeah, the issue with Donovan Mitchell is he's kind of been overtaxed this season because the Jazz have been Mike Conley has really not been the kind of guy everyone thought he was going to be. Shocker. Yeah. No. I I mean, well, I guess okay. Everybody else was shocker. Yeah, you were right about Mike Conley. I was right about the Jazz. Yeah, just not as good as everybody thinks. But yeah, the Jazz haven't been that good. Jonathan Mitchell has been very much overworked. Uh, Gobert has been only okay. He's still a black hole on offense. And but Mitchell has been really good. He's averaging twenty five points a game. How many re- how many assists has he got? Probably six or seven. He's only three and a half assists. Okay, it's, wow. He's sort of like a but he is kind of like a shooting guard playing point guard. Yeah. Because but he's sort of been forced into that role. He's supposed to be able to be off ball more. But yeah, all right. My number nine. This, he hasn't been playing the entire year, but the most fun team that we've had this year is probably the Miami Heat. Yeah, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, so Jimmy Butler is my number nine. Yeah. He's averaging he's only averaging twenty seven and seven, but those are still really good stats. Those are like kinda of like the Lucas stats you were talking about, right? Or the LeBron stats? LeBron stats. LeBron stats, right. Yeah. And I I guess fit is important. He is a he's a pick and roll guy. They run a lot of pick and roll in Miami, and they also run. And that was kind of the opposite of what the Sixers were doing last year. So even though people thought he might be a good fit, and he was a good fit because they don't really have any, they didn't really have any go-to scores besides him when it really came down to it. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, he wasn't a fit with like their normal offense, and he's only really a fit with like their two minutes, their two minutes left kind of offense. And so the Heat have been really phenomenal this year. Jimmy Butler's been a good part of that. Bam Adebayo, I honestly considered putting in the top ten. Bam Adebayo is like. He hasn't earned it yet because this is his first season of doing it. But Bam Adebayo, at the end of the year, is going to be in contention, I think. he's First of all, he's definitely going to make the All-Star game. And I think he might be in contention for an All-NBA third-team spot. I don't think he's going to make it, but I think he's going to be in contention for it because just how good he's been. The Heat have been phenomenal to watch this year. Have you had fun? Yeah, like Duncan Robinson's just a goat. I had a really good feeling about them before this year. I put them, I think, as my number three team. Duncan Robinson's great. I love yeah. him. Kendrick Nunn, I love. But, but yeah, Duncan not. Robinson had ten threes in a game. Okay, fine. Yeah, they they're a great team to a great team to watch. They're way more fun to root for than they have been in years past. They finally got the quote unquote LeBron stink off them. LeBron, yeah, LeBron was so much less fun to root for when he was on the Heat. I think we can all say that. Absolutely. Once he once he went back to the Cavs and was like, okay, fine, LeBron's great. We'll accept that. But on the Heat, mm-mm. I was not a big fan. Yeah, and now they're fun. So yeah, Jimmy Butler's my number nine. He's just doing better at everything than he did when he was on the Sixers. He's getting to the line. He's shooting nine uh, free throws a game, yeah. which is the best his in, his, in his entire career. And, yeah, the Heat have vastly outperformed, and he and Adebayo are a huge part of that, and that's why I have him up so high. In fact, 538 has him as their fifth best player this season with a uh, plus five on offense and a plus four on defense. So he's been really good at both ends of the court. He's yeah. This is sort of like the guy everyone... Was hoping he was going to be in Minnesota even. But yeah. And who's your number 10? Yeah, my number 10 is Butler. That's fair. Anything you want to add? 
Um, mainly that he seems to, you know, you know, not be rifting with everybody on his team. Yeah. You know, they're he's a good seems, fit for him. They play you, hard. They play hard. You know, he's always been the proponent of, man, y'all just don't want it as much. And yeah. he's found a team that, you know, embraces that, you know, scrap for every possession. And yeah, I just love, I loved Jimmy Butler. It, but even, I kind of like didn't like him because he's always, you know, creating controversy because of things he says. But yeah, I think him at 10, mainly yeah. just because he's just been finally, finally found somewhere where he can fit in. And I, I think it's great. Yeah, I love it. My number 10 it, to end off this pod is the sneaky possible MVP candidate, someone who's definitely going to make an all-star game, someone who has made the Toronto Raptors and to an actual, like, yeah. Pascal Siakam has stopped the Toronto Raptors from having a title hangover, which everyone thought was going to happen, but instead he's been one of the best players in basketball. Did you see this coming? I didn't see this coming. No, he's, isn't he averaging like 24, 20-something? 20, yeah, Pascal Siakam has been great this year. Honestly, 538 isn't the biggest fan of him, but I think that's just because um, the numbers haven't been quite that efficient from the Raptors this year because they've been playing their starters so many minutes. Yeah. But, he, yeah, he's averaging 25, 8.5, and 3.5 this season, which has been really good with 51% effective field goal percentage. He's just been, it, like, watching him in a game, you notice him so much, so much more than last year because we've talked about this on the pod before, but... Siakam has really become a great playmaker this year. That's the big difference between this year and last year. Last year he was sort of like he was Kawhi, he was the Robin to Kawhi Leonard's Batman. But this year he is definitely in charge of the team. He's the guy distributing the ball. Ky- he and Kyle Lowry just have the ball in their hands a lot. It's an interesting team. But yeah, I really like what Siakam has done this year, and it's made me. I'm really glad to see it, and I'm glad the Raptors have been this good, even though I'm not sure. They are a real championship contender, and they might not make it past the first round in the playoffs. All right. So, like we said before, this is going to be the last podcast until after our winter break. So we will be back around a month from now. This one might not get posted until winter break actually starts, but it will be there pre-Christmas, pre-Hanukkah, all those important stuff. And anything you want to add? No, we're uh, we're looking good. We... Hopefully we'll have a lot to talk about once once we come back. Yeah, we might be partnering with WTBU, BU's radio station, so stay tuned on that. And until next time, see you guys. It's see been ya. a great year. Absolutely.